Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Though, excitement is a relative term, I suppose, and how enjoyable this is going to be uh, will depend on, well, you, the, the, the listener. So, what I'm going to do today is just run through all of the biggest issues facing this team, in my mind, obviously, because that's how podcasts work, uh, both right now and in the long term, uh, with the running theme of it being important to separate these two things, right? And so I guess if you're the positive, optimist, silver linings, whatever you want to call it, or you just prefer not to be in a down mood today, uh, even though I am going to be talking exclusively about negatives the one positive silver lining to all of this in my mind is that a lot of the issues that are making the team so difficult to watch right now are short-term issues now we're going to get into the long-term ones that i'm most concerned about but in the grand scheme of things i would just say i don't think that they're massive at this point unless of course you know somebody else doing this list i'm sure would have just listed dick monfort three times and moved on but as you know i'm not going to do that i'm talking about you know actually structurally with the team with the roster what are the things that they don't have that are causing them to lose now and what are some of those things that might persist into the future like how i do with ups and downs i'm going to go back and forth and i've got three of each for you so let's start with the biggest issues right now And the third biggest one that I see is who, you know, the heck is the star of this team? Now, in a in an ambiguous way, this maybe doesn't matter, right? There are teams out there. There are are plenty of teams over the years who have found some success without having a a superstar player. Right. Even if maybe they would have multiple guys who belong in the all star game, nobody in the top 10, 20 30 of the league, right? A lot of ball players, a lot of positions. Over the years, the Rockies have always had at least one, if not two players in that category, even when they were really bad, right? There were years during the Cargo and Tulo era, and we remember it because those guys were superstars, but the team was bad, right? But they still had an identity, Uh, It it was true during the Todd and the Toddler eras. Again, that's an identity that we can talk about. During the Blake Street Bomber era, you know, good and bad, they had that identity. They had those star players. And even in the most recent era, which we would probably refer to as the Nolan Charlie Trevor era, there's probably a better name for that. But those, I think, are the three players who you know, really defined it with apologies once again to the always underrated DJ LeMahieu, you know, but that, that team that went to the playoffs in 17 and 18, right? That era is over now. It ended with the, the trade of Nolan Arenado and when John Gray and Trevor Story left at the end of the season, that was the end of that era, right? And it was defined by its superstar. So every era of Rockies baseball, has essentially been defined by its superstar players. And I look at the roster right now, and I don't know who that is. And I think to some extent, you know, 
obviously there's some on field that that costs you because superstar players, well, they, they tend to produce quite a bit, right? And so you'd at least have something there. But yeah, even when you look at, and this is not a slight on Elias Diaz, who's having a very good year. And I did a whole podcast about all of that. But he's not playing at superstar level. He's playing at all-star level. As I mentioned, I think McMahon would have deserved to go, but I understand why he didn't. It was a borderline, right? But those really are the only two guys playing at all-star or close to all-star level. And you got nobody doing the the Tulo thing, the Cargo thing, the, you know, always Helton thing of being one of the best players in the league, even if the team is one of the worst teams in the league. And so you don't have that right now. Uh, you know, Charlie Blackman obviously is a leader on this team, but is well past his prime and has been hurt all year. And so it's hard to be that guy when you're not there. Same thing with C.J. Crum. He was sort of becoming that guy. You know, last year he really felt like a superstar, for uh, certainly in the first half. And he, he was he's that guy, the middle-of-the-order guy, hitting all the big home runs that even when you were losing, you go, man, you got to tune in for some C.J. Crum at bats, right? And right now, you know, McMahon's had his moments, but we all know he can be streaky. It's hard to thrust this onto the shoulders of a 21-year-old in Ezekiel Tovar, but honestly, he might be it right now. The closest thing they've got to a star. So actually, let me transition because I cheated on this one. The Rockies' biggest long-term issues. Let's go over to number three on that list, which is Who's the star on this team? Now, I'm, I, I promise this is the only time I, I did this and double dipped. But this is something that I think is both a problem with them right now, where they don't, not only do they not have a just sort of consensus great player doing his best to power the train, they don't really have a clear leader, right? Kyle Freeland is, is clearly the leader on the pitching side of things. And he's doing the best he can there. They've got some leaders out in that bullpen, Daniel Bard in particular. But from a position player standpoint, it, we just don't know. And in the long term, as we move forward, as I was about to say, so there's Ezekiel Tovar might be able to become that guy. But I don't know who on the roster, especially if Blackman and Crone leave, which we expect them to one way or the other. I don't know who it's going to be. And it's going to be very strange covering a ball club without a star. Now, we knew that Chris Bryant was supposed to be this, and that remains the big, wide-open question, right? That's that's sort of the thing that I'm dancing around here, and now that we're on the long-term issue, because if it can't be him, if it's not going to be him, then they are not totally stuck but certainly they put themselves behind the eight ball when it comes to getting your best production. They are then at that point going to have to rely on guys like Tovar, eventually maybe Zach Veen, though obviously that's a whole conversation we need to get to. Any other you know, prospects, essentially. You, you could you know pull out a, a few others with Nolan Jones, Michael Tolio. We're going to talk about some of those guys, but... If, it's, if Bryant can't get back to being a well-above-average player and the Rockies aren't willing to go out and sign another big, huge contract, which I would argue they shouldn't because it's not necessarily, as I said, a recipe for success that you have most of your 
money wrapped up in one or two superstar players and it would be better to spread it out. But still their lack of identity, their lack of leader, their lack of anything that you can kind of sink your teeth into and say, well, that's the guy uh, I think is costing them both on and off the field right now. I think it's it's one of those intangibles that in close games can really matter. And it is one of those things that from a long-term view, you have a hard time seeing, you know, who are they building around, right? And that, I think, is the biggest long-term issue. Because you don't need superstars in order to be successful. In fact, I've long argued that that's not the best model for the Rockies, that they should go for more, as many above-average players as possible than sinking it into stars. So maybe it'll be a, a sort of a blessing in disguise if they can figure it out. But right now, it is an odd moment in Rockies history because they just don't have it. All right. Rockies' biggest issue right now, number two, the offense in general, I'll just say, and most particularly, and this is something they've been most public about, is the lack of power. And it's really quite strange, honestly, because they have a number of players with decent power profiles uh, who, who should be hitting better. Uh, they, they also have dealt with quite a few injuries this year. And so that's why this one is only going to be in the right now category, because I do see a number of avenues for them to hit more home runs in the future. There are a lot of ways for next year them to flip this thing right around. So I don't see it as a long-term issue. Obviously, given a lot of it, bats to Harold Castro and Jerks and Profar is going to limit your team power, right? Uh, as I was just getting into, you know, Bryant, the, the lack of power from Bryant since he became a Rocky has been frustrating and concerning and troubling and all that. And we're probably due for another podcast entirely about Chris Bryant because there's just so much to unpack there, right? McMahon's got good pop. Diaz has good pop. Grichik has good pop. You know, some of these, obviously, some of the guys they've brought up where there's a little bit more hole in the swing, like with Nolan Jones. Um, But the injuries have really sapped this. The aging players with Blackman and Crone, and I guess a little bit of both, uh, on, on that end have sapped it a little bit. Now, the good news here is the Rockies do have some position player prospects with some pop coming up, and they have a whole lot of money coming off of the books. So it's not a long-term issue in my mind because you can fill these spots on the roster. I don't see too many of these players around next year. Let me put it that way. Profar, maybe. Castro, no. Blackman, probably not. Crone, almost certainly not. Grichik, probably not. Right, the, the position player roster by necessity and by default, even if the Rockies disappoint everybody at the trade deadline and don't move them all out, now, it's still going to be a different cast of characters next year, right? They, they're they just, they're not going to bring back the same group. But right now, it's just, it's ugly to watch. Ryan McMahon's the only guy in double digits. The all-star break, unless someone hits one today as I'm recording this. <laughs> unless, well, I should say specifically, unless Elias Diaz hits one today because he's sitting on nine. Ezekiel Tovar could hit his 10th today. And that's it. <laughs> After that... Crone with seven, Profar and Doyle each with six, Blackman with five. 
And then a couple have got Gritchick and Mustakis, who plays for the Angels now, with four. Yeah, just no home run power. And the slugging in general just hasn't been there. I do think that, you know, as Tovar gets older and better, and you do start to introduce, hopefully, guys like even Aaron Schunk, Yankel Fernandez, as well as the, the Veens and Romos that you ho- hope can, you know, get past two completely different things going on with those guys. And Romo's actually had a, a nice uh, couple of months here. But there's there's power to be had. There's position player uh, power to be found both in the organization and out there on the, the free agent market or the trade market if you want to go that route. But, boy, is it tough to watch them just not hit home runs right now. Okay. Long-term issue number two. Now, I've written down here, reluctance to play Montero. Now, this isn't just about one player. If it was just about one player, it wouldn't be the second biggest long-term issue facing the Rockies in my mind right now, right? But the the philosophical decision to not play Montero, the, the, the reason that they're faffing him about, if I may use such a phrase, and the best, the, the most charitable interpretation, and in everything that I've talked to from people around the team, is that they do believe he's going to hit, that they like the player, but that they just don't believe that his defense is big league ready. And they've always had this issue. I, I did a, a podcast about it at the beginning of the season, right? That they would rather fail with veterans doing things the way they're, quote, supposed to be done, but still not succeeding, as opposed to young players failing and doing things the way they're, quote, not supposed to be done. Certain fundamental, foundational mistakes bother Bud Black and Bill Schmidt, everybody involved in the apparatus. I don't know to what extent Clint Hurdle, you know, Dick Monfort is not involved in those kinds of conversations I don't think but that is a problem and there are times in their history where it hasn't been in my view where it's been and actually to put it another way it's been far more justifiable but right now it's really frustrating to watch this player go to AAA and rake and then come up to the bigs and sit on the bench, especially when there have been times to get him in there. There are absolutely opportunities to get him more playing time at first base or in at the DH, and it hasn't happened. Now, if they really ramp it up in the second half, because even if you don't believe in the player, that's Frankly, on a team that's got 30-something wins, I don't even know what it is right now, 33 wins, that's not, oh, they're 34th, forgot. That's not a good enough reason to not play him. Even if you think he's going to flame out and it's not going to work, then you need to learn that too. Sitting him on the bench does you no good at all, none whatsoever. Now, I have given them all the credit in the world for committing, for the most part, to Brenton Doyle and Nolan Jones. Certainly much more than they have with other guys, right? And I've also 
made the clarification and caveat that I think they've made the right decision with Michael Tolia, who's come up and down, but I think his results show that up and down is where he is right now. He's not quite ready to hit at the big leagues. We haven't seen Montero, like I said, he's just crushing AAA. And I understand that that's not always indicative, but you've got to find out. You got to give him the chance. And if they're really not going to commit to a player like that, it just gives you all the more indication that they're still sticking to this veterany veteran thing that they they do far too often. And like I said, they do get credit for the other things. This isn't that podcast. This is just the negative one. They get credit for the other things. But the handling of Alaurius Montero this season has been remarkably frustrating. And I don't think they've ruined him as a prospect at all. I think they've just robbed themselves of a month or so of vital information and potentially vital development for him so that he'll be better sooner if he is going to come around and be a big offensive contributor. And I believe that he can be. I believe the goal should have been for this season to make sure that by the time next season starts, Alaurice Montero can either be your starting everyday presumed DH or that you decided it's not going to fit and then you can trade him in the offseason. But sitting him on your bench doesn't allow you to do either of those things. All right. Back to the biggest issues facing the club right now and in at number one. I've just got injuries, but also starting pitching, right? It's the, the injuries overall, we've talked about it with the position players. It's crushed this team. Now, I said at the beginning of the year, this team did not have a chance to compete unless everything went their way. Right. And the exact opposite has happened. Everything has gone against them. Their best, their most talented pitcher got Tommy John surgery after just a couple of starts. And he was looking like he was going to have a really good year. Their third or fourth best pitcher, and Antonio Sensatella, is going to miss the vast majority of the season. Right. They're on their ninth and tenth guys in the starting rotation. Connor Siebel began the year as the long man out of the bullpen and is now essentially the third guy in the rotation. So, some people think when you talk about a ton of injuries on a team this bad that you're making excuses and there's no excuses to be made. This team wasn't going to be good without the injuries. But the injuries have made them at times unwatchable. I know some of you are saying, I don't know what you mean by I watched all of it, buddy. I know, I know you hardcore and I and I love you. But but difficult to watch, right? Difficult to follow along with a 25 to 1 loss where you you're down 13 to nothing in the third inning. And that's because you're pitching guys who may not belong in the big leagues. And throughout a lot of the season, the fifth spot in the Rockies rotation. It's been occupied by the worst starter in baseball. It was Jose Urania there for a little while. 
It was Denelson Lamette there for a little while. And now it seems like it's both Connor Seabold and Chase Anderson. And that's entirely my fault because I did a podcast about how good those guys have been. But even in that, I said, you know, like, this is probably not going to last because they don't have the, the overall stuff and arsenal, right? Neither one of those guys would be in the Rockies rotation if they were healthy. So the starting pitching now, and, and this is something that I feel like I harp on a lot, and it's because I see a lot of debate and disagreement about it, and I think it's the most important thing facing this team, honestly. I've done a couple of videos. I'm going to release another article about it. But even when you might be able to look at, if you want to take Team ERA Plus and Team OPS Plus, right? Now, right now, my argument is served because the ERA Plus has absolutely tanked. The OPS Plus has as well. 85 on the OPS Plus. So this actually is a perfect way to talk about it because the the OPS Plus has dropped since I first made this note. So the ERA Plus is 87. So you might be tempted to say, well, the lower number is the offense. The offense has been worse. And in a way, yes, the offense has been worse. But what matters more As I've shown over and over and over again through a whole bunch of statistics, you can have a bad offense and be a good baseball team. It doesn't work the other way around. You can't have bad pitching and be a good baseball team. It does not work. An 87 ERA plus for the team would be the lowest mark in franchise history. Right? And when you sort by these two statistics, ERA plus essentially lines up directly with the success or failure of the team, right? OPS plus, it's all over the map. Some of their best offenses, in fact, the very best offense in team history by OPS plus. You all saw me do the video. Hopefully you go and check it out on Mile High Sports uh, YouTube channel if you haven't yet. It was 2014. Team won 66 games. Best offense in franchise history. So when I say, when people ask me, why is the team so bad? And I answer pitching. And somebody says, well, you know, the hitting has actually been worse. I can say, well, that that may technically be true by this measure, but that matters a lot less. Right? You you lose games when you can't pitch. You can You can figure out a way to score a few runs here and there. But they're not. They're not in games when you don't pitch. And the starting pitching in particular has been absolutely brutal. With only one guy, Kyle Freeland, pitching at an ERA plus over the league average of 100. And he's at 101. So he's basically been league average. Every other starter in the rotation has been well below And I discovered a formula years ago as I put every single Colorado Rockies team in history into a giant sheet of statistics. And I found that all five of their postseason teams have something in common, which is four, four, and four. Four batters above the league average of an OPS plus of 100 or better. 
four starting pitchers above the league average of an ERA plus of 100 or better, and four relievers above the ERA plus of 100. Right now, Rockies have Ryan McMahon, Randall Gritchick over that 100 mark, Charlie Blackman at 98, Elias Diaz at 97, Ezekiel Tovar at 86. So, again, and, and by the way, relievers, they've got one, two, three, what do you know? Four of them, Bard, Suter, Lawrence, and Bird are your above average guys. So that's the only one where they're, they're getting to four, right? If the formula is four, four, and four, and what the Rockies have right now is four guys in the bullpen, one guy maybe in the rotation, and three hitters, four hitters. I'm going to count Diaz. With Ezekiel Tovar getting drugged down by that really bad first month, and really since the first month, he's been an above-average hitter, right? So again, that's why I'm less concerned overall about the offense. And as I've talked about before, there's more obvious room for improvement there. Whether it's spending money on free agents who don't mind coming to Colorado and taking a, a few whacks with the wacky stick, or some of these pretty intriguing prospects that they've got coming up some of whom are already on the team, some of whom are knocking at the door, all that stuff, right? From a pitching standpoint, I don't know how they improve on this ERA+. plus, Right? So that is, I realize I just did both. <laughs> I was like, the biggest issue for right now is all of the injuries and that the starting pitching that they have uh, on the roster has just been brutal. But moving forward, I don't know where the starting pitching gets better. You know, Marquez and Sensatella returning should be helpful. Like, it, it should be better than this, right? It just, on its baseline. But essentially, let me put it another way, right? Using these numbers as our guide. Here's my final point that I'll make. In order for the Rockies to get kind of back into contention, for a wild card spot, right? You need to improve this OPS plus. This team OPS plus needs to go from 85 to at the very least around 90, 91. That's kind of where they were at in 17 and 18, where people don't realize like th- that offense, especially in the bottom half after the superstars really struggled, right? But the pitching was so good that it carried those teams. Uh, this is, it was also the case in uh, 2009, 2007, they actually had a pretty darn good offense. But you only need to improve that team OPS plus by five or six points. But to get into the postseason or to get into postseason contention, you've got to take this 87 ERA plus and turn it into at least a, a 95, a 97. And that's, that's probably conservative. That's me like adjusting for the fact that more teams make the postseason now and the Rockies don't have to play the Dodgers as often. The lowest team ERA plus for the Rockies that's ever made the postseason was 108 back in 1995. They had an ERA plus of 109 in 2018. And then it was 112 in... 2007, two th- or yeah, 2007, 2009, and 2017. 112, right? 
Where, like I was saying, the team OPS plus in 2017, 90. Team OPS plus in 2018, 90. In the year 2000, sorry for the throwback to anyone who's a Conan O'Brien fan. In the year 2000, uh, the Rockies went 82 and 80s. They didn't make the postseason, but they had a winning record, right? A winning baseball team, just barely. That was the year Todd Helton, you know, almost hit 400 and stuff. The team OPS plus was 87. That's just two points higher than the team OPS plus that the Rockies have right now. Here today, July 2023. But their team ERA plus was 110. So they were a winning baseball team. That shows you why. I'm far more concerned about an 87 ERA plus than an 85 OPS plus, right? You improve that OPS plus a little bit and you've got an offense that can hang. But there is dramatic work to be done on the pitching side. And I'm, I'm just not sure where it comes from. So that's what I've got for you today. Uh, sorry for the incredibly negative one. Hey, if I'm going to do podcasts where I just talk about the silver linings and the things that are going on uh, well with a club that's really struggling, then every once in a while I'm going to have to do this too. What are the biggest issues? And hopefully in a, in a diagnostic kind of way. Like I said, I'm not sure what's to be done about the pitching. Other issues here, I think there are plenty of avenues to make it better. But boy, do they have some work ahead of them. So... Thank you all for listening into this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of the Mile High Sports stuff on YouTube and Instagram and the TikToks and all those kinds of things. Of course, all the written content over at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.